0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Uh, The title of our message today is The Good News About Good Friday. Have you ever wondered why they call Good Friday, Good Friday? I mean, when you consider the events of Good Friday, it didn't seem like a very good day, especially for Jesus, the innocent Son of God who had come to earth to to save us, to to save human beings, to heal people, to deliver people, to raise people from the dead, to to do all kinds of things that were uh, for our benefit, and then... Uh, The humans that were there at the time ended up putting him on the cross, crucifying him. It was a bad day in a lot of ways. I mean, it really started off bad. He was basically deserted by his friends. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. He was arrested by this lynch mob that took him to uh, the Jewish council. And the Jewish leaders uh, basically unjustly accused him of all kinds of, of wrongdoing Sent him to the Romans. The Romans sentenced him to death, uh, and sp- especially the kind of death they sentenced him to was crucifixion, which was reserved for common criminals to deter criminal criminal activities such as thievery and that sort of thing. And they they it's one of the most excruciatingly painful deaths that you can imagine. It was it was intended to be torture and death, and so Jesus was um, you know he had to carry that cross that was probably over, well over 100 pounds. He had to carry it through the streets of Jerusalem and out of the gate and up the hill and to Golgotha where he was crucified. He was nailed to that cross, dropped in the ground, and hung there for nine hours to suffer untold misery spiritually, emotionally, physically, and every other way, and, and finally died for us there. So why does, why does anyone think that was good? Why, why do we call that Good Friday? Well, this is the story, the climactic story of what we call the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote, wrote, each wrote a gospel, each a rendition of the life of Jesus. And this story of the crucifixion is like the climactic story of the entire gospels in every single case. And so the, gospel, the word gospel means good news. And it doesn't just mean some good news like, hey, I won $1,000 or, hey, I got a good report back from my doctor that the, the cancer test was you know negative or whatever. It, it's the good news. It's like the best news in the history of the world. Maybe in the history of the, of the entire universe in all eternity. It's the good news. So, again, why Good Friday? Why is it called Good Friday? And why is it good news when it seems to be the worst news that you could ever hear that the innocent son of God was put to death by the people he came to save. Well, in order to understand that, you kind of have to step back from the tree, the cross, to look at the forest, the big picture of things. Now, the gospel means good news, and I was with a friend of mine, Dennis Kozlov, who spoke a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we were just talking about uh, the Bible. We were talking about things God was teaching us, things we were learning about our identity, things that we we're learning just from the Word, and, and just sharing. I mean, Dennis and I have these conversations. I love the fact that Dennis is a kind of a theologian, and, and I, I love talking about uh, you know, the things from, from the Bible and, and, and concepts about God and about us and our relationship with God. And he kept using the phrase in that conversation, eternal gospel. And it really piqued my curiosity. It kind of went, went past me the first time. But, but I'm like, what do you mean by eternal gospel? Because I, I'd used the word eternal, like eternal life. You know, Jesus came to give us eternal life. And I, I've heard the word gospel, good news, the good news, the best good news. But I'd never put those two words together. And so I was really curious, why did you say eternal gospel? And so after he explained it to me, I kind of began to look into this. I mean, like this is a new concept for me. Because what Dennis said is the gospel, the good news about our good God, our good father, our good savior, Jesus, our, our, the, one, the one who is love, the one who made us, who is all good. The gospel, the good news about God and about his relationship with us actually starts back in eternity past and will never end. It goes through eternity future. There's no end to this good news because it's just good news. It's God's good news. And so in order to, to, to understand this, I, I started doing research about this. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And uh, one of the things that I discovered was um, in Kenneth Wiest, he was a, a German theologian and Greek and New Testament scholar. He wrote some commentaries, and he, and he wrote his own version of the New Testament. And it's interesting where most translations of this, of this passage and a couple other passages that are talk talk about uh, the plans of God. He uses the phrase instead of "from the beginning of time" or "or before the world began." He uses the phrase "before the foundations of the universe were laid." In other words, he's he's talking about God in eternity before there was anything, before the first Adam was ever created, and he says he selected us out for Himself, God. Select, this is, I'm sorry, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And it talks about why we were created in our relationship with God and what He meant for it to be. And he says, God selected us out for Himself in Christ before the foundations of the universe were laid. So, before anything ever existed, we had already been chosen. To be holy ones without blemish before Him... In love having previously marked us out to be his adult sons through the immediate agency of, of Jesus Christ for himself according to that which seems good to his heart's desire and so what what we is saying there how he translates this what Paul is saying in the way we uh, translates it is that before there was ever the first Adam that was created in, in the foundation of the universe, God already knew you and me. He had already determined that we'd be his children and that Jesus would redeem us back from our lostness. But the biggest point in this, in, in this uh, what, that I'm trying to make here, is that we were created for a relationship with God. He's always wanted us and he's always known of us. In other words, before... so So... A God that is eternal, eternal God, doesn't make time and space decisions. Every decision that God has ever made was made as long as He's existed. And so you and I have been in the heart of God to be sons of God, firstborn sons of God is the way we put this. In other words, we were the you and I are sit at the at the highest order. Each one of us in God's household. In in Hebrew culture, the oldest son got two-thirds of the inheritance and all the rest of the children got what was left over. So you and I are treated as firstborn sons. Isn't that awesome? And so each one of us is a firstborn son of God. Even the women, (laughs) uh, are firstborn sons, they're treated that way. That's just awesome. That's just amazing. And so before the universe was ever created... God in, in eternity already knew you and me. But then something bad happened. Something bad happened. And um, let me just read the rest of this. By his grace, he has freely bestowed upon us his grace in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the putting away of our sins according to the wealth of his grace, which he has caused to superabound to us in the sphere of every wisdom and understanding. In other words, God really knew what he was doing when he sent Jesus to redeem us by dying for us. And that's what Good Friday is all about. So I want to talk a little bit about that Good Friday and what was accomplished. When God had created the entire universe, he had created every galaxy clusters of galaxies. He created the Milky Way. He created the sun. He created the earth and then he created the inhabitants of the earth the, the, the animals, the fish, the birds uh, everything that walked, flew, swam crawled. He created all of that. And then he planted a garden in the, in the, in the middle uh, of the earth. He planted this garden called Eden. Perfection. And he created, he didn't speak us into existence the way he did everything else. He formed us with his hands and breathed his own spirit into us. Through Adam, the first human being, our first father. And then from him came our first mother. And in these two human beings, he created children in the image of himself. And his intention was for us to be his children through Adam and Eve... And live eternally with him. And participating in his divinity. Having his spirit within us. And ruling over the earth the way he ruled over the universe. Incredible plan. But there was one problem. There was a prohibition. He says, in order for there to be love, we have to have a choice not to love. And so he gave us a choice. And he said, you can eat of any tree in the garden. You can eat anything you want to. Vegetable wise. But just don't eat of this one tree. Because that fruit is forbidden. The the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that fruit. For in the day you eat of it you'll die. Well. Satan the enemy came into the garden. Already an enemy of God. Really upset that God had made creatures higher than him. And he tempted Adam and Eve to eat this forbidden fruit because he knew that when God said, in the day you eat of it, you will die, he knew that God meant that. And so his desire was the destruction of the human race. He didn't want creatures that were greater than him, that were created in God's image. And so he came in the garden and tempted them to eat it, and they did. And the moment they put that forbidden fruit inside their mouths and, and ingested it, They ingested sin into the human race. It became a spiritual cancer growing on the human race that ended up leading to death, ultimate death, separation from God for eternity. And so Satan thought that he had won. He thought that he had separated human beings from God for all eternity, and we would end up in the same place that he will end up ultimately. But God had a plan. In fact, he had a plan that started in eternity past for that, it says in in First Peter one eighteen through twenty one, and then you get, again in Revelation three 13, or thirteen verse eight, that the Lamb of God, who is the Son of God, who came to Earth as a sacrifice in human flesh to die in our place, to take all of our sin, and to die as a sacrifice for us, so that we wouldn't have to die. That decision. Was made that Jesus would come and die on the cross for us in eternity past. In other words, He knew, God knew, the Father knew, the Son knew, the Spirit knew that that if if they went through the plan that they had in eternity to create us, we would fall because God knows the end from the beginning, and that ultimately Jesus would have to come, the innocent Son of God would have to come and die us in order to redeem us and restore us back to the original plan for us. And he knew that and he did it anyway. You know, something's worth only what someone else is willing to pay for it. I'm, I'm sure you had the experience of seeing a painting that looked like a second grader threw globs of finger paint on the canvas and it sold for $2.5 million at, in auction. Uh, or it's hanging in some museum in, in Paris, and you look at it and you go, "What in the world is that?" But but some you know it's worth X number of million dollars because someone's willing to pay that price for it. Apparently, we have eternal value because the eternal Father was willing to sacrifice His eternal Son to buy us back from sin and death, and that. Tells us what our worth. That tells you what your worth is, because he would have done it just for you. You know, I have a son. I have a son, and I wouldn't sacrifice his life for anyone I know. Now, if push came to shove, and the Holy Spirit gave me the grace to do it, I might be able to go through it. But I can't imagine just willingly giving my son and his life and cause him to go through all that Jesus went through on Good Friday. You know, just sacrificing my son willingly like that. That would be the hardest thing I could imagine. But but that's how much you're worth to God. That's how much you and I are worth to redeem us and restore us back into that relationship. And so it says that in First in Peter uh, 1, uh, 18 through 21 in Revelation 13, 8, 8 that, that the lamb was slain, that the price was paid, paid Before the foundations of the universe were laid, <laughs> he had already decided to do this. you know speaking of worth there 's a story I want to quickly tell about this missionary who had gone to Africa to one of the African nations, to one of the one of the tribal people who didn 't know Christ, who were still worshiping uh, animals and, and you know false gods, and he was in, he ended up living among the people and um, ultimately the chief. Gave his life to Christ and the the missionary was able to bring this man into a relationship with Christ. And he was so grateful that he told the missionary, he said, I'm going, because I'm so grateful for what Christ has done for me, I'm going to crawl on my knees to the nearest church. Well, the nearest church is three miles away. And what it was going to mean, and he, you know wore like a one cloth. I mean, you know, his knees were bare. And what he was going to do was he was going to destroy his legs by crawling three miles on his knees to the nearest church. He would never walk again. He would be crippled for the rest of his life. But he was intent on doing it because he was so grateful for what Christ had done for him. And so the missionary was so distraught and he tried his best to dissuade this chieftain from doing this horrible thing because he knew that that would not be pleasing to God because God doesn't want that kind of sacrifice. And so he was praying. He said, God, show me what to do so that I can can talk this man out of destroying his legs. And suddenly he remembered this gift that the chief had given him. He walked over to this box on his desk in his tent and opened it up, and he pulled out this beautiful pearl that that the chief's son had died retrieving. He, he had uh, he had gone too deep and he had the bends and he died. And the chief was so grateful to this missionary for leading him to Christ that he gave him the most priceless possession he had, the pearl that his son died retrieving. And so the missionary went to the chief and he said, Sir, he said, um, I want to pay you for this pearl. You, you gave this to me, but it's such a such an incredible gift that... I just can't take it for free. I want to pay you for it. The chief looked confused and he said, Sir, that that pearl has no price on it. I My son gave his life to to, to retrieve that pearl. And it's the most precious possession I have. No money is worth the price for my son's death to retrieve. That, that pearl is priceless. But the, the missionary persisted. He said, No, 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 no. No, this is so valuable to you that I need to pay you for it. And at that point, the chief became kind of angry. He said, don't you understand that this pearl was purchased by my son's life and there's no amount of money that would be worth paying for what this pearl means to me. And suddenly the chief got what was happening. He saw what the missionary was doing. He dropped to his knees. He began to cry and he apologized. He said, God, forgive me for trying to pay you back. For this priceless gift that you gave me in Christ. You are priceless. And the gift that, that Christ has given us is priceless. And you know on Good Friday. He purchased back your life and my life. And he left that gift at the cross. He's already paid the price for every sin that's ever been committed. All we have to do is accept it and receive it. We can't pay him for it. We, we, you know, there, There's nothing that we can do to earn that. We just accept it as a gift. And when we do that, then it says that we have an eternal destiny with God in Christ. That's, that's what we get. We get life back. We get eternal life back. And we get to spend the rest of eternity, all eternity, with, with God in Christ. In the new earth, and in, we're surrounded by the new heaven. It's incredible. I want to close with the scripture that kind of summarizes what I've been saying it's 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with verse 14. For Christ loves, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Jesus has died for all of us. And therefore all died. In, when he hung on the, Christ, the cross, he was the last Adam, wrapping us up in himself and taking us to the cross. And we died with him. He just didn't die for our sins. We died with him on the cross. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and who was raised again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In other words, we're now cut off from the old Adam line with all the sin and death, and we've been placed in the new Adam line with resurrection life. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting men's sins against them. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though Christ were making his appeal through us. And so we're to say to other people. Once we receive Christ. uh, We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Jesus has removed the barrier of sin between us and God. All we have to do is come back to God through him. Through believing in Him and accepting Him as Lord and Savior. God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. That in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In the New Testament, those who belong to Christ are no longer called sinners. Never in the New Testament is a Christian referred to as a sinner. We are new creations. We are in the resurrected Christ. We have His life, His innocence, His righteousness. That is now ours because of what He's done for us. You may not have received the gift that he gave us on Good Friday. By the way, it's called Good Friday because what Jesus did for us was good. And he did it because he knew it was good. It was good to him. The suffering was terrible, but the cause was good. It was Good Friday. And when he finally drew that last breath, he said, It is finished. I have accomplished, Father, what we set out to do in eternity, and that was to redeem humankind. And bring them back to us. But, we, but he doesn't force that. He leaves the gift at the cross. And if you want to receive that gift. Would you just pray that prayer with me. This prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for removing my sin. Thank you for inviting me back into a relationship with you. And the Father through your spirit. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And fill me with your spirit. If you prayed that prayer. Just say. Jesus thank you. For forgiving my sins. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for giving me your spirit of life. And right now I just pray for everyone listening. That you would have an incredible weekend. Beginning right now. That this day. You would reflect on what Christ has done for you. To purchase you back. From death and sin and all that separated you from God. And and just anticipate the resurrection that's coming on Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus where not only did He come back from the dead, but He gave us a way to come back from the dead ourselves and to be in Him and to participate in His resurrection forever. And I just pray that that this will be a great weekend for everyone listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.